0: Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part one of his teaching, The Evolution of the New Man. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for those that are here helping us put on this broadcast. Thank you, Father God, we break the power of COVID 19 in the name of Jesus. We say it has come to pass in Jesus' name and soon it will be a distant memory. The mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. I'm Pastor Scott Forrest. This is Faith Life Fellowship Church. We're so glad you could join us this morning for the Live stream portion of our service. I'd like to thank all those who've continued to give faithfully to the church through our website at gooffaithlife.com and through the mail while we've been unable to meet here in the sanctuary. We want you to know that this is what we've been saying, this is what we've been praying, and this is what we've been declaring over you that sow seed into Faith Life Fellowship. We're believing God for you that you'll receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses. Benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses to decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all the financial needs of our members that they may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So today we're going to talk about the evolution of the new man, the evolution of the new man. Now, with a title like that, I need to clarify that I'm not going to be talking about atheistic Darwinian evolution, which I absolutely reject and not just on biblical grounds, but on scientific and on uh, logical grounds as well. Amen. So don't tune me out just because I'm using the word evolution in the title of this message. If you'll hang with me through the series, I promise that you'll see what I mean by the evolution of the new man. What I'm going to show you systematically is that it is God's intention to do more than just restore fallen man to his former state of glory and dominion. God's intention was to create a whole new class of being that would be just like Jesus Christ, spirit soul, and body. So this morning, we're going to begin with the restoration of fallen man. And then next week, we'll wrap it up with uh, the transformation of the church age believer. But before we can talk about the restoration of fallen man, we have to spend a few minutes talking about the fall. And we need to go to Genesis 126 to begin. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Psalm 115 verse 16 echoes this sentiment. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The message translation says it like this. The heaven of heavens is for God. But he put us in charge of the earth. Did you hear that? He put us in charge of the earth. So here we see in the scriptures that man was made in the image of God and was made to have dominion or authority over all the earth. And if you read the whole story, you'll see that Adam and Eve were given two important mandates after they were created. Number one, they were to keep, tend or guard the Garden of Eden where they lived. Number two, they were to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with their offspring. Genesis two sixteen and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, the last part of that phrase in the Hebrew is literally rendered like this. In dying, you shall die. So you could read it like this. For in the day that you eat of that fruit, in dying, you shall die. So I think what God was saying was this. If you eat the fruit of this tree, you're going to first die spiritually. And then over a process of time, you will eventually die naturally as well. So in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and other scriptures, It makes it clear that man was made by God as a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. So when Adam disobeyed the word of God, his spirit died and was separated from God. His soul became infected with sin and rebellion, and his body began to decay and to die. So he literally died, spirit, soul, and body. Furthermore, he surrendered the dominion or authority that was rightfully his and gave it to Satan, the arch enemy of God. And we can see that in the New Testament where Paul refers to Satan as the God of this world system in two places. Second Corinthians four, four and Ephesians two, two. So to sum it up, the sin of disobedience brought death, spirit, soul and body and loss of dominion or authority To all mankind. Romans 512 in the Amplified Classic. Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, that is Adam, the sin of Adam, and death as the result of sin. So death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or to escape its power because all men sinned. It seemed like a hopeless situation, but God in his infinite wisdom had a plan already conceived before the universe was created ready to launch when man fell from grace. Revelation 13, 8 calls Jesus the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That tells me that the plan of redemption was already conceived in the heart of God before the universe was created, before space and time even existed. I find that fascinating and also very comforting. Romans five nineteen says, For as by one man's disobedience, Again, that's talking about Adam. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So the one who's talking about there by one man's obedience, that's Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made. He canceled out and reversed and restored mankind to where he was before the fall. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So according to Romans five nineteen. A man got us into this mess. So a man would have to get us out of this mess. In other words, Jesus had to come into the world legally through the proper door. He had to be born of a woman to have authority on the earth, according to Genesis 126. Now I'm going to challenge you to look at a very familiar passage of scripture in a way that you may not have ever considered. I believe there's many scriptures with Uh, More than one interpretation. And this particular passage is one that I think can be interpreted a couple of different ways. John chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. This is Jesus speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Verse 2 says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, I believe the sheepfold in verse one can represent the world of humanity and that the door into that world is to be born of a woman. So if you follow the metaphors, you see that Jesus, who previously existed as the word of God, we're going to talk about that in a minute, he came into the earth legally as a man born of a woman. While verse two says that Jesus came into the world through the proper door, Verse 1 says that the thief, or Satan, tries to come in some other way. For example, Satan and his demons seek to possess the bodies of humans and animals to have some form of expression, some form of authority or influence in the world. Isn't that right? But praise God, Jesus did it the right way. He became one of us. He became a man. Jesus refers to himself as the son of man 30 times in the book of Matthew and 80 times total in all the Gospels. The son of man is a term that emphasizes his humanity. I think he wanted it that way. I think he wanted us to know he was one of us. Let me show you that in the scriptures. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So that means this person called the word preexisted with God throughout all eternity. He always did exist and he always will exist. But at the proper time in history, the Bible says in the fullness of time, he came to earth as a man. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. We know that's talking about Jesus Christ because Jesus became a man and because he was without sin, he was able to walk on the earth with authority. John chapter five, verse twenty six and twenty seven. For as the father hath life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Why was he able to operate in authority? Because he was a man. Furthermore, he was a man without sin. Amen. You ever wonder how Jesus forgave sin and cast out devils and healed the sick even before he went to the cross to secure those things eternally for us? He did it because he had authority on the earth, because he was a man and he was a sinless man. Amen. You know, if you read through the Gospels, you will hear this comment a number of different ways, a number of different times. And they they refer to the authority that Jesus had on him. You know, one time in the Bible, a guy was sent to try and trip up Jesus with his words. And and he came back, he says, I got no answer for this guy. No man has ever talked like this guy ever. He speaks with authority, not like the scribes. You got to hear this guy talk. In other words, he went to try and trip him up. And he was totally blown away by the aura of the authority of God that was on Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think that's cool. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Luke 19, 10 says, for the son of man, there's that term again. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 1 John 3, 8 says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So you could say that Jesus came to earth on a seek and destroy mission. As a former military officer, I kind of like the sound of that. He came to seek and save all that was lost in the fall. And he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to save mankind from the ravages of sin. And he came to restore the authority that mankind lost in the fall. Jesus also came to set an example. And to be the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. He came to show us the impact that one man could have. Who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And totally surrendered to the will and purposes of the Father God. This is evident in Philippians chapter 2, 6 through 8. This is the New Living Translation. Though he was God, he's talking about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. On a cross. So in his death, burial, resurrection and ascension, Jesus paid the price to restore mankind, to reverse the process of death, spirit, soul and body. Over there in John chapter three, you find Jesus talking to Nicodemus, who was a closet follower of Jesus and a Pharisee. And he said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. In other words, he was sharing with Nicodemus that the process of salvation for mankind, who was spirit, soul and body, would have to begin in his spirit man through a rebirth of the spirit. Amen. Only then. Could he begin to transform or renew his soul, his mind, his will, his emotions? Only then could mankind hope that his body might one day be redeemed. Jesus came to restore our place of dominion and authority on the earth. Luke 10, 19. This is Jesus speaking to his followers before he went to the cross. And he's already talking to them about their authority. I love it. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. Nothing no exceptions shall be able to hurt you. I love that. Then in Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, after he was resurrected, it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now he's not just got earthly authority. He's got authority in several realms. He's already conquered death, Hell in the grave. Now he has all authority. And he says, go, therefore, with that authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching myself excited here. Listen to me. I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to support it in the scriptures. In fact, I'm going to make several statements. Jesus was raised up a new type of creation to set us on the path toward the new man we were destined to become. Once again, God's intention was more than just the restoration of man. His intention was the transformation of church age believers into brand new men and women. Amen. Let me begin to show you that in the scriptures. Romans chapter eight, verse twenty nine. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The first thing I want you to see is that we were destined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ himself. Spirit, soul and body. And then it says he's the firstborn among many brethren. That means he's the first of his kind, but many more of his kind will follow. This means that Jesus, in his resurrected form, was a prototype. He was a forerunner of the new man that we will one day become. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Amen. Notice that it took the resurrection of Jesus Christ to enable us to be begotten again or born again. But we were born again to something, towards something, to a future inheritance that most teachers I hear don't talk very much about. Go back to verse 3. We've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Then verse 4 says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Amen. You've heard me say this before. This is my proof text. There is a new you in the showroom of heaven waiting for you, and you're going to get that new body one day. Amen. How many say amen to that day? No more aches and pains. All your looks back. You're young, healthy, and strong. I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I know I'm not the only one. Now, some of you young pups, you know, you're not you're not there yet where you're longing for that new body. But some of us that are just a little bit older, we are. So we've got an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, he's saying there's a type of salvation that will be complete. You'll be complete spirit, soul and body. You'll be saved spirit, soul and body one day in the end times. Amen. You know, we're in the last of the last days, right? So that day is coming soon when we're going to receive our new bodies. So being born again, according to this scripture, or according to these scriptures, being born again was just the beginning of our journey toward the new man. We have become new in our spirit if we're born again. We are hopefully transforming our souls, renewing our mind to the word of God. But we're not yet new in our bodies. But that day is coming, as I've already said. Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 and 14. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. I love that. I love the fact that he's referring to our new bodies as a purchased possession. In other words, it's already been paid for. Amen. And you have been sealed and marked by the Holy Ghost as designated to receive that new body one day. Amen. These scriptures are talking about the new body that was purchased for us by the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're born again, you've been sealed or marked by the Holy Spirit. You are a marked man. You are a marked woman. If you're born again, the seal of the Holy Spirit says this one belongs to me and he gets a new body one day. I love it. So that seal or that mark signifies that you're destined to receive an incorruptible inheritance, a purchased possession, a brand new body. You know, next week, we're going to wrap this up with the transformation of the church age believer, and we're going to talk about some fun things. The capabilities of this new body are mind boggling. It's like sci fi. It's like being a superhero for real. It's going to happen. It's Bible. So not that I want to leave you hanging or anything, but I think that's a good place to wrap it up today. We've talked primarily this morning about the restoration of fallen man. And we started edging into the transformation of the church age believer. And that's what we'll explore more deeply next week. Amen. Amen. Now, before I close out this broadcast, I want to give those of you that may be listening or watching an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it phrase by phrase after me. Heavenly Father, I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. So that I might receive forgiveness of sin and newness of life. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess him as my Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says I am saved. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says I am born again. Now, Lord, help me find a good Bible believing church. and surround me with people who can help me grow in my newfound faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message, The Evolution of the New Man. If this message has blessed you, and you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by donating on our website at gofaithlife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.